Happy Easter. So good to be in the house and so great to be the one person standing between you and an amazing hill, a meal this, this morning. It'll only be a couple hours, so hold on. I'm just kidding. Um, but I'm excited to have you. We're, we're just so blessed to have you in the house today. And I just want to share a few things in my heart today because it's a significant day. How many know the resurrection? The resurrection changes everything. But we, we live in a world of fake news, right? And we love that term. Everybody has their own interpretation of what that term means. Um, but I'll tell a little story about my fake news experience as a teenager. I went to a friend's house, and as I was going to his house, he, I knocked on the door, and he answered the door, and he was holding what looked to me like jerky, and I was really hungry. I was really hungry, and I'm saying, man, that looks good. He goes, what, this? I'm like, yeah, that looks great. He goes, you want some? I said, sure, sure, I'll have it. You know, and being an ignorant, hungry young man, I took the, the food without asking any questions, and, and I said, this doesn't taste right. And he goes, yeah, that's dog jerky, bro. <laughs> so I, I, no fake news, this meal is gonna be good, okay? <laughs> it's real. But um, I just uh, thank you. My name is Pastor Jonathan. My wife and I are pastors here, and we just are so blessed to have you join us for this meal together. And we just give you a <laughs> clap, all of our guests. We love you and welcome you this morning, as it's been said multiple times. But, you know, I want to share this morning about what it means to come and see. To come and see, because that's the message that the angels gave the women at the tomb on this amazing day, this day when Jesus rose from the dead 2,000 years ago. But listen, when, when we get news, we li- you know, we're naturally skeptical. Can anyone say that this morning? You, you just kind of have this natural skepticism in us that says, hey, I, I have a hard time believing good news because maybe if you're like me, you've had some disappointments in life. Come on, somebody's promised you something. You've, you've, you've heard a message or a, story or, or a promise and it did not come through. Is anyone here this morning that's had that experience? You can relate to that. And maybe, you know, when you think about it, we've been lied to time and time again by media, politicians, educators, maybe some by people you love and trust. And so at, you get to this point where it's hard to trust what you hear, especially when the news is too good to be true news. When it's too good to be true, you're like, I've heard some good things. I, I don't know about that. Who can we trust when, you know, what, where is truth when we've been lied to so much? We're naturally skeptical about things. And when, when we've been skeptical for a while, we begin to become jaded. Jaded, and we live in a culture that is tremendously jaded. And, and in fact, in 2016, it's been a, some years, but in the wake of that presidential election in, in the U.S. and the political accusations that were flying back and forth, some of you remember it, some of you tried to not remember it, come on, about fake news, you know, Oxford Dictionary is named the uh, post-truth, the word of the year. Post-truth. And the meaning to this word was relating to the existing, existing in an environment in which facts are viewed as irrelevant. Come on. Or less important than personal beliefs and opinions. 
And emotional appeals are used to influence public opinion. True, right? There's some truth. And then 2017, Time, Time had a headline on one of their magazines that said, Is Truth Dead? On its 43317 cover, you know, truth has been declared dead in our culture instead. And Isaiah, the prophet said, truth has fallen in the streets in Isaiah 59. And I think we're living in those times where truth has fallen in the streets. And instead, what we've embraced is a relative truth. Truth is relative view of the world. And we have coined this term, your truth. Anyone heard that? Urban Dictionary defines that as to take our subjective experiences, our opinions, and feelings as universal and binding reality while undermining the idea of shared common facts, effectively turning truth relative. And today's even worse as technology increases. They can make fake videos of you doing something you didn't do. What is true? What is a lie in this culture? How has this affected this? I mean, we might end up being like, we come to this place like Pilate did when he was interviewing Jesus in the praetorium, and he says, what is truth? But I'm going to tell you this this morning. Truth is a person. Truth is found in the person of Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and the life. In him is truth. And that's not fake news. Come on. I want to look at this passage in Matthew 28. And as we do, I want to pray. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for your presence, Lord. You the resurrected Lord. You are here in this place this morning. And we acknowledge you. And Lord, we thank you. And we open our hearts, as Pastor Sam said, to hear what you want to speak to us. Lord, we thank you for your word. It's transformative. It's powerful. It's living. It's active. And it changes us, Lord. We receive it and believe it in Jesus' name. Everybody said. Amen. And the angel said, in, in Matthew chapter 28, verse 5 through 7, I want to focus here. And the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who has been crucified. He is not here. Turn to somebody and say, He is not here. But he's here. All right? For he has risen just as he said. Come see the place where he was lying. Go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And behold, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. So here in the Gospel of Matthew, we hear the story of these two women, Mary, of Mag Mary Magdalene, and it just says the other Mary. There was quite a few Marys in that time, all right? It's a common name, just kind of like John is a common name in our church. We have about four or five Pastor Johns, so. Common name, and so there, it's confusing when you look at the different passages in the gospel to figure out, okay, which Mary was which? I got you. I'm trying to track this, right? But Mary Magdalene was the one from whom Jesus cast out seven demons, she had gone through some stuff. She had followed him, and she had, she had devoted her life to him. And this other Mary, we learn, is Mary to, referred to as the mother of James, the Lester, and Joseph. And they were among women who stood at a distance and watched as Jesus 
breathed his final breaths on the cross. They saw everything unfold that day. These two had sat across from the tomb and watched as the soldiers laid Jesus' body in that tomb on the day of preparation, Friday before the Sabbath. The devotion had kept them as close to Jesus as possible in every trying moment in those dark days. Their devotion. And in addition to those women, there was a few other women that the Gospels refer to. And one of them was Joanna, the wife of Chusa. And she was the household manager of, of this, uh, or, or, or steward. She was the hu- household manager or steward of King. She was married to Chusa, the household manager or steward of King Herod Antipas. And she supported Jesus' ministry. And then there was Salome. She was the wife of Zebedee. And two of those disciples, James and John, were called the sons of thunder. That was her. And she had she'd asked Jesus, she'd asked, man, when you're in your glory, can my son sit on your right and left hand? And it sounded pretty presumptuous of her. But she just desired her sons to be near Jesus. So these women, these are the women who are coming to the tomb this day. And they were looking for a dead body. I want you to hear that this morning. They were looking for a dead body. And that narrative, that belief, some may say that fake news was determining their direction and path. All hope was lost. The one who they had trusted in, the one who who they had put their hope for salvation of themselves and of the nation had died. And they wondered who would deliver them from Roman oppression. The one whom they had followed and devoted their entire lives to was dead. They left that morning with the determination to embalm his body. And I think we can relate to this. Proverbs says that as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And I'm going to tell you this morning, all of us in this place are living by some narratives. You can be in church and live like God is dead. You can be in church and live like God is dead. Or you may not be in church and live and you've made a determination that he's dead or he's not relevant. And that will determine the narrative and the direction of your life because what you believe is is what's going to determine how you live. But see, all of us at some point or another, and you might look around, see some well-dressed people this morning, think they got it all together. That's fake news. Come on, if you've been saved, delivered, and healed, if God took you out of a mess, if God took you out of a miry clay and set your feet on a rock, if God delivered you from bondage and all this stuff the enemy put on you, can I just hear a shout this morning so people know? See, all of us have experienced what it means to live life absence Absent of the presence of a living God. Until we encounter the resurrected Lord. And you see, I I look at these past few years that what we've been through as a society, the pandemic and societal unrest and chaos has left people in a state of hopelessness and despair and depression. We have an epidemic of suicide and depression in this nation, in the world. 
Because when you kill truth, where does hope come from? When you kill truth, when people cannot find what's absolute truth, because in the heart of every person is the desire for truth. That's why we get so hung up about fake news. Three things I want you to see from this passage this morning. And number one is the declaration. The declaration, because the angel said, here's the message. Do not be afraid. Whew. How many need to hear that this morning? Do not be afraid. Literally many times in the Bible, it talks about do not fear. Because when you look at the uncertainty of our world and when truth has died in the streets, you can just come to a place of fear about your future, about what's going to happen. And, and you live in this state of anxiety and fear, anticipating bad things to happen. And the Bible says that anxiety in the heart of a man causes depression. And so is that not the sickness of our time? He says, do not be afraid because... You see, fear keeps you from hearing the hope of the message and the declaration that he was about to say. Fear will keep you bound from encountering the risen Lord. Do not be afraid. Turn to somebody and say, do not be afraid this morning. Maybe, maybe the dreams you've had for your life have instead turned into a nightmare. Maybe loss and grief have left you in a feeling of giving up. Do not be afraid. There's hope. Come on. The Lord has good news, and it's not fake news. He's not in the tomb. He is risen just as he said. So the first thing I want to ask you this morning is, will you open your heart and hear the message the angel spoke to those women on that day? Isaiah in 50, chapter 53, verse 1 says this, Who has believed our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed. You see, for us to experience his power, we must first believe. So we ask, so I ask, will you hear the declaration? He's risen. Let fear be broken off of you this morning. But number two is the invitation. Come. Come. How many of you received an invitation lately? It's wedding season, right? Got all sorts of things going on. And how many know if you send those, reserva those, those invitations, you're waiting for some RSVPs. You're waiting for somebody to respond and tell you they're coming. And you're like, are you coming? Now, come on, I'm making a meal and I need to know how many people are coming. We almost tried to make you RSVP. Thank God we didn't. Are you coming, right? But he makes an invitation, come and see. But I want you to see this morning the nature of this, the angel's invitation. What preceded this? These women so devoted to Jesus who, who had literally given their love and their lives to him. Who had been looking for a dead body and waiting for that opportunity to embalm him waited through a long, dark Saturday, but an even darker Saturday night. 
And as dawn arose, come on, they went to the tomb. That's what it says. As that sun began to rise, they went to the tomb just as the sun was rising. They were coming out of the, how many know it's darkest right before morning? It's darkest right before morning. And that last time, it's darkest. And so this was an invitation. I want you to see this morning. This is an invitation out of darkness into light. Out of darkness into light. Can you imagine how bright the glory of that empty tomb might have been? For Jesus to read the power of God manifest in his body as he rose from the dead. Oh man, it must have been amazing. But that power is still here. That resurrected power is in the heart of every believer. That same power that raised Jesus from the dead is alive in us. Come on. I thought you'd get excited about that because that's, that's life-changing. That's amazing. It's Resurrection Sunday. I'm going to say amazing a lot, so I'm just preparing you. Out of darkness, but... In 1 John 1, 5, it says, this is the message we have heard from him and announced to you, that God is light, and in him there's no darkness at all. Yeah, I don't know if you've been in a place of darkness. I don't know if you felt like you've been grasping in the midst of darkness, but this morning there's hope for you. I announce to you God is light. Come into him. Come to him. Jesus said it this way. He says, while I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. I have come, in John chapter 12, verse 46, as light into the world so that everyone who believes in me will not remain in darkness. It's an invitation to you to come out of darkness into light. But then we see in another account in Luke chapter 24, verse 5, and I'll read it. It says, and as the women were terrified. I mean, this scene would have shook you up a little bit. Come on. Stone's been rolled away. There's been an earthquake. Come on. The angels showed up. The guards have fallen from the power of this experience. Come on. I mean, this was earth-shaking. Two earth-shaking events in the same weekend. One when Jesus died on the cross and the veil was rent from top to bottom, saying that there's no longer anything keeping us from going into the Holy of Holies, that Jesus, by his death, has made a way for us to enter into his very holy presence. Come on. I mean, it says there was dead people coming out of the graves and wandering the city. I think that's pretty cool. So they're terrified, and I think we can relate to that. I think we can understand. Their faces to the ground, the mid said, men said to them, why do you seek the living one among the dead? Why do you seek the living one among the dead. And this is an invitation to come out of our dead pursuits. Our dead pursuits. You see, we can fill our lives with all sorts of pursuits. How many know that? They thought they were looking for the dead one, but he said, no, you need to look for the living one. 
And you see, here's, here's what it points to us. The picture for us this morning is that we often seek life in dead places. We often seek life in dead places, don't we? You see, we thought we might find happiness in, in success, fame, fortune. And guess what? Fake news. We thought we would find happiness. You, you need to see the evidence of that. You just need to look at all the news that comes out of Hollywood. Come on. We thought we would find happiness in relationships, hobbies, others' pursuits, only to find ourselves empty, duped. Again, fake news. Let me tell you, we can also try to find life in dead religion. Now, you might say, hey, pastor, I'm not even religious. Oh, yes, you are. I'm sorry, with all due respect. You have a religion. Every person has a religion. Every person has a set of beliefs that they're living by, that determine how they live. If you're an atheist, you put your faith in the fact that God doesn't exist. Now, if I'm wrong, I lived a good life, and hey, if you're wrong, hmm. But we've all got religion, and some of us have been in church and just steeped in religion. Let's just be honest. We've, we're doing all the good things and hoping we'll be accepted, and we, we look to our own righteousness and all the good things that we do, and we think that's our basis. The Bible calls those dead works. You see, we are called to good works, church, but it's in response to what he's done for us, not to earn his favor. Are you with me? You see, when you encounter the risen Lord, it's life-changing, and it changes everything. And all of a sudden, your heart is so transformed, you want to begin to do things you didn't want to do before, I can tell you. I was a selfish, miserable, self-seeking, self-centered. Come on. I just did whatever felt good. I didn't care what it meant to other people around me. And then Jesus came into my life, and the love of God transformed me. And all of a sudden, it changed my perspective, not only on my own life, but it changed my perspective on others. And he began to fill me with the love of God for other people. Come on. So there are good works. We're saved under good works. But we're not saved by good works. Are you with me, church? We need to come out of dead religion. We need to come out of dead pursuits. Quit looking for life in dead places. Without the living one in our lives, we are dead in our sin and our trespasses. But in Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, Jesus made this invitation. He said, come to me. Listen closely. Come to me, a person. All who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. What a promise. And it's to all. The invitation is to all. So it's an invitation to come out of darkness. It's an invitation to come out of our dead pursuits. But it's an invitation to come into rest. How many know you don't know how badly you need rest? until you actually experience it. 
We're about to go on vacation this week, and I'm excited. <laughs> I'm excited to go be somewhere warm and rest. But when you've been living life under the weight of sin and shame and guilt and fear and all these things that this world brings upon us, come on, you're weary. When you've been trying to just do it on your own apart from God's grace and his mercy, you get weary. You get worn down. It's exhausting. Why do it? Just give up and come to him. Just give it up. Lay it down. He invites all. You see, little did those women fully understand what Jesus had accomplished through his death on the cross. Yet. On that cross, it says in Isaiah, he bore our griefs, he bore our sorrows, he, he bore our rejection. Oh, you think you've been rejected? Jesus experienced it. He was rejected, he was despised. They looked on him. The Bible says that he was marred. His visage, his person was marred more than any man ever alive. What he suffered for us he bore tremendous trauma. He bore physical and emotional trauma unlike anything we've ever experienced. But see, to us, maybe you've experienced trauma in your life. Many of us have. He says, come. Come to me. Why stay in that place of restlessness? Why stay in that place of striving and struggle? Come to the person of Jesus who is truth, who is rest. 1 Peter 2, 24, I'm almost done, says, And he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. For by his wounds we, are, we were healed. As Pastor Sam shared, he's still healing today. Our God is living. He's alive. He's active. He may not be in that tomb, but he's here this morning. And he says, come, find rest. Come. To him. And thirdly is this, the expectation. He says, come and see. Come and see. Notice that before we can see, we have to come. I want you to get this. Before we can see, we have to come. You see, you're saying, God, prove it, and then I'll believe. But God's saying, believe, and I will prove it to you. I've already proven it. But because we're in darkness, because we're in those places of unbelief, we can't see it until we come and the blinders are removed. And it's not just, maybe it's the first time coming to him or maybe you're a believer and you need to come to him again this morning because you've been through some stuff and you've lost hope. Come and see. You see, seeing is a matter of faith. When we come, we'll, the proof will be evident. There's no way to truly see without faith. See, Hebrews 11 verse 1 says this, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for. The hope is the basis of faith. Without hope, there can be no faith. And the conviction of things not seen. C.S. Lewis said it this way, he says, I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen, not only because I see it, although in the Northwest we could say, well, 
but because I see everything else by it. By it, I see everything else. It's like the blind man who Jesus healed. They're like, who healed you? I don't know, but all I know is I was blind and now I see. I don't know that man's name, but I, I, all I know is I was blind and now I see. I, my whole vision for life has completely changed because I have met and encountered the person who is truth. And he's transformed me from the inside out. Come on, somebody. You see, when these women returned, because he says, come and see, but then he says, go and tell, and they took that message. I think it's really cool that the first eyewitnesses to tell the message of the gospel were some women. Come on, men. Listen up. Here's your part. So the women come to the men with the message. And it said, their response was said like, it seemed to them like idle tales. It appeared like nonsense to them and they believed them not. Who has believed the message? I mean, let's just remind us ourselves of something this morning. Those disciples had heard on multiple occasions when Jesus said, I'm going to go to Jerusalem, I'm going to get beaten, and they're going to, they're going to take me, and they're going to beat me, and they're going to put me on a cross, and on the third day, I'm going to die, and on the third day, I'm going to raise, rise again. He just did what he said he would do. You saw him raise Lazarus from the dead. You saw him perform all these miracles. Come on. He just did what he said he would do. They're like fake news. But maybe you're like Thomas. So Jesus, because he cared so much for his disciples, he showed up and goes, okay, you don't believe them. I'll just show up. Here I am. But Thomas was absent. So Jesus makes another trip, comes back. And it says in John 20, 25, so the other disciples were saying to him, we have seen the Lord. Okay, so now the women have told him, now the other disciples have told him, he said to them, unless I see in his hands the imprint of the nails. Come on, this is, this is that jaded mentality and put my finger into the place of the nails and put my hand in his side, I will not believe. Jesus in his mercy shows up and he says, Thomas, look and touch yourself. As Thomas touched him and saw his wounds and saw that it was really him, he said, my Lord and my God. And let me tell you, Thomas was never the same again. Because Thomas had seen and now he would go and tell and he would take the gospel all throughout, over to India and there die for that same faith, a martyr. My Lord and my God. But Jesus' response to him is telling and I want to close with this. Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are they who do not see and yet believe. You may not be able to stand outside that 
empty tomb this morning. You may not be able to see it for yourself, but see God's calling you to a place of faith. Because there's a sense in your heart. See, faith is saying, Lord, I choose to believe the declaration. I choose to come to you and respond to this invitation. It's an invitation. God doesn't make you do anything. You have a choice. You have a choice. He's given us free will. He's given us an opportunity to respond to RSVP, to the message of the gospel. But it's your choice. Nobody can make it for you. Some fake news we believe is goes, God is good. Then why is this whole world messed up? Well, it started with fake news, didn't it? Because God said, don't eat of that tree. Eve partook, shared it with Adam, and the mess began, right? But there was a lie that led to it. If God is so good, then why does he withhold? Whew. It all started with fake news, but it ends with the truth. It ends with the truth this morning. You may not be able to see with your natural eyes. You may be blinded by the fake news of humanism and secularism. But this morning, you can see by faith. If you'll hear his declaration, if you'll respond to his invitation and come to him, you will see. You will see. He's risen indeed. But each one of us this morning must, must decide whether you're in this room or you're watching online how you will respond to his invitation. Will we come out of our darkness? Will we come out of our dead, meaningless pursuits? It's not that those things can't be good, but they can't be good in the absence of the living one. Out of our conditions of being weighed down by sin and come to him who is our rest. Are you disillusioned with life and the fake news of this world that has promised life but failed? Are you in a place of despair? Come to him. Whatever it is you need this morning, he's the answer. If I could just have worship team come and at every table, if you bow your head for a moment, I just want to pray with you. Ask, I asked this morning, if you're here, maybe you've never truly committed your life to Jesus. His invitation is to you this morning. And there's no day like today. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Don't delay, don't wait, don't put it off because we don't even know what tomorrow holds. His invitation is still waiting. Will you come? Will you hear his message this morning? Will you open your heart as to what he wants to speak to you?
And then I believe by faith, he's going to begin to show you. He's going to give you eyes to see, not with these eyes, but the eyes of your heart. Paul prayed this, and this is my prayer for you this morning. I pray that the eyes of your heart would be open, that you may see what is the hope and the glory, the future that he has in store for you. The hope of salvation, that your eyes may be open in your heart. Father, this morning we thank you and we, we rejoice that you are risen, Jesus. You, you rose and you ascended to the right hand of the Father and you sent forth the helper, your Holy Spirit. And we thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are present in this place, the living one. You're here to minister to our hearts. You're here to draw us to you. So Holy Spirit, we make room for you this morning. We thank you. Thank you that you are the spirit of truth, Lord, that you lead us into truth, that you're the comforter. Maybe there's some here this morning who are suffering, who have gone through grief and sorrow and the pains of life and just felt like giving up. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you can breathe resurrection power into each and every living soul here this morning. That we don't have to leave this place the same as the way we came in, but God, your transforming power is available if we will believe and receive your message this morning. So Holy Spirit, come and touch every heart, every soul in this place. Thank you. As you're out there at your table, if you hear, you're here and you would be so bold as to say, hey, this is speaking to me this morning, whether you're a believer or not. And you'd like somebody to pray with you. I want you to just slip your hand right where you're at. There's people around you. Don't be bashful. You need prayer. You need to respond to this message in some way. Those at your table, turn to people around you and say, hey, do you need some prayer this morning? Is there anything going on in your life that you need prayer for? Ask, ask your neighbor, hey, you need some prayer before we leave this place, before we partake of this amazing meal. And I want you to just pray for one another as we're in this presence of the Lord before we transition. Father, thank you, Jesus, for your presence. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Mark, can we just thank him here this morning? Thank you, Lord. We give you the glory. We give you the honor. We give you the praise. I feel like there's someone here this morning and you've got, you recently got a report. I don't know who you are, but you recently got a report concerning your health that's serious and it's scary. I just feel the Spirit of the Lord saying to you, I don't know if it's like a serious 
sickness or illness. But I hear the Spirit of the Lord saying, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. There's some here this morning, you've been carrying grief, just pain. Pain, and you've just been living life with pain. It's just been so difficult from one thing to the next. But I want you to know this morning, Jesus is your deliverer. Jesus is your healer. One of his names is Jehovah Rapha. He's our healer, and he will heal you, and he will make you whole. He not only heals our bodies, but he heals our hearts. He binds up the broken heart, and he makes things new. Come on. If that's you this morning, don't leave this place without prayer. You've got a physical ailment of some sort. If you've got pain in your body, ask for prayer. There's people at these tables and just lift your hand or ask somebody. We have people all over this place who can pray with you. In Jesus' name.